back to the Value Driven Investor Podcast, where we forge value-driven investors on a mission to live life on their terms. No matter where you have come from or where you are going, becoming a value-driven investor is in all our best interests because becoming financially free allows us to focus on what matters most, fulfilling our purpose. Our community of value-driven investors is committed to showing you the way. With the support of this community, you are sure to reach your goals. For all of us in the value-driven investor community, there is no greater gift than the gift of giving because together, anything is possible. We're back at the Value Driven Investor podcast, and I'm super excited because again today, my good friend Bob Grand is on. Bob Grand, how the heck are you doing, man? Doing great. Still in Hawaii. <laughs> I think I live here now. I live here now. <laughs> yeah, Bob Grand is on. What is it? About five or six days you're going to be in Hawaii? <sighs> like 12. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't I come home till this Sunday. I mean, That's I know, awesome. depending on when you're listening to this, but. Yeah, yeah a total of twelve days. So, that's awesome. Life yeah, on your terms, yeah. man. That's what it's all about, right? It is. It is pretty nice. You know, that's awesome. Yeah, and so, here. so I just want to let everybody know that yeah, we do pre-record some of these podcast episodes, um, and we do actually record them in batches because you know what? If you've ever tried to do a podcast and tried to run multiple different businesses and tried to get vacation time, um, it's hard not to batch your episodes so you know what yeah. we are going to have live episodes and we are going to do more um real-time content because we think that there's a ton of value in that but on the flip side we also on some of these heavier items and these i would say more educational podcasts that are a little bit more lengthy um bob and i are really trying to batch them because we have to maximize our time uh and isn't that funny because today we are going to be talking about how the right designer can maximize your ROT, return on time. Now, if you are the guy that's sitting there doing your own project, which I've met a lot of guys, and there was a point I never had picked up a hammer or done the actual construction work, but I've probably done everything else, including the design of uh, and management of the design of uh, the smaller projects that I used to do back in the day. Uh, but if you're the guy and I, and I'm thinking of one guy that I know in particular that literally he feels like, you know what, when on these first couple deals, I think I'm going to do everything. And I mean, what do, I, I told him, I said, what do you mean everything? Well, we got to frame this up. I'm going to do it. We got to install the bathroom. I'm going to do it. We got to lay the <laughs> tile. I'm going to do it. We got to do some, uh, well, I'm not going to do the plumbing and electrical cause that wouldn't make sense because of liability. Okay. That's smart. Uh, but we got to paint. I'm going to do it. We got to, I'm like, man, I go, who's going to design it? Well, I'm going to do it. And who's going to sell it? Well, I'm going to do it. And I'm just like, this guy's <laughs> doing everything, like quite literally yeah. doing everything. And you know what? He told me this before he started the project. And then I said, well, you know what? I'm going to keep in touch with you. And if you ever need anything, you just reach out to me. He goes, okay, thank you. I really appreciate it. And we had lots of conversations back and forth along the way to you know, help any way that I could. But then at the end, when I asked him, Hey man, what was it like? I, I mean, it wasn't even, I didn't even have to think about it because I looked on his face and he was just like, oh. I mean, it was just like, it sucked <laughs> the life out of him literally. Oh, and I knew God. it would because there's no yeah. way you can do all this. Number one and scale of business, but number yeah. two, and not just feel like you ran a hundred, not, not a marathon, 
a hundred yeah. mile race. Yeah. Would Brandon, would you agree with that? Seriously. Dude, I 100% agree with that. that. Is one of the hardest things to do, and I've been that guy. So <laughs> I'm not going back there, dude. <laughs> Ain't happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, you know what, when we're talking about return on time, we talked about the contractor and how he can help you uh, really manage your return on time. Well, now we're talking about the designer and how can she really, she or he can really manage your return on time. Now, I want to start off with a story because, and there's actually two stories, because I think that stories are the most powerful thing when you're really trying to understand what's the value of this topic that we're talking about today. Um, and it starts with this. My first experience working with a designer was when I moved from doing smaller scale homes into doing my first $450,000 um, rehab. Just It wasn't a pop the top. It wasn't. It was basically we went into this, I think it was like a 1970s, early 1970s, um, uh, uh, mid-century modern house. And it was really cool. different. I mean, I had never done a mid-century modern Rambler before. And yeah. you could just feel like it had that mid-century nostalgia to it. And I was like, I told my general contractor and I also told my uh, business partner at the time, I said, man, I, I feel like we need a designer on this because I feel like you have to do this right or you could really screw it up. And totally both good. my contractor and my business partner at the time said, you know what? Murph, I think you're right. And then the other thing was, is I was in, I was breaking, this was literally my first property breaking into the Sedina, Minnesota market, which is the elite market um, in the Minneapolis area. Now there's another area uh, out, it's called Lake Minnetonka. That's a pretty elite area, but this in the city, as far as a first ring suburb of the actual city of Minneapolis is the number one elite area that you can be in. And so I was really excited about that. And I, but I also was kind of intimidated. Like these are, these are real deal buyers and we're going into a real deal market. We got to have a designer. And so yeah. I talked to my general contractor and I had done several projects with him and he had done back, you know, we were, this was like in the middle of the crash. Like this was 2009 or 2010. Like this crash was still very strong. Uh, you know, the, the, the big recession. And I told him, I said, Hey, Fig, you know, Fig was his name, Figgy. And I said, Hey, Fig, you know what, man, do you know anybody? Cause I know, you know, before the crash, you were doing a lot of high end houses. Like he was doing, you know, kitchens for like 150, 175. And it's just a kitchen, $175,000 kitchens. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, you know what? You're right. Murph. I do have a lady that has worked with a lot of high end clients on million dollar houses. We should ask her if she'd be want, willing to do this. One thing led to another. I called her up. Figgy called her up. We said, hey, would you do this project for us? And she's like, well, yeah, that would be fun. Um, and so we brought her on. And she was like $10,000. And I was Whoa. like, what? Ten grand Jeez. to design? Because I was blown away. Like yeah. $10,000 to design this little house? And what am I going to get for that? And why can't I just do it myself? And man, that's right about out of my pocket. Yeah. You know, like it hurt. Those... It was, yeah, it was like shocking to me. <laughs> and yeah. and Figgy goes, "What do you expect, man? These ladies aren't cheap." And I was like, "Okay, I, I okay, they're artists, right? They deserve to get paid." And I have nothing right. against anybody and their talents. Everybody deserves to get paid what somebody's willing to pay them. That is 
not a problem. All, I have the utmost respect for that. But it's just shocking when you don't have perspective on what things cost. And I didn't have that perspective. So I want to cut the story as quick as I can. But what happened was is that we went through the whole process of designing out this house. The I, I expected a lot for $10,000. Where I was let down was, number one, I am, I'm a big believer that the designer and anybody that I bring on my team should be a team player. They shouldn't yeah. be trying to set a precedent that they lead the show or that right. they know better than me or that I shouldn't have opinion in something or that who am I? You haven't designed anything for anybody. Um, right. And that was really the number one thing that that was the vibe that I got. Uh, not right off the bat, but, you know, not too far into the project. And I can tell you this, you know, as a person like myself, very strong-willed, strong-minded guy, just like Bob Grant, yeah. um, yeah. it just doesn't rub me very well. When you you tell me, like, I shouldn't have a say because you're the designer and I'm paying you to take care of the design, but yet this is my property and I'm the one taking on all of the risk. And I also am a real estate agent that actually has a little bit of knowledge about what the buyer, the consumer wants. Why isn't that valuable to you? Right, and so right. that was a big red flag for me right off the bat. But then after that, what happened was, is as we kept going and as she, she under budgeted in her mind, she said, I have more time in this than I expected to have into this. Oh. And I said, well, why do you have so much time into it? <laughs> well, because I, I didn't know I was going to have to do this and this and this and this and that. And I didn't know that I was going to have to even show the buyer, you know, because we had actually had a buyer come in before, um, before we were finished with the project. So we, re we asked her to come on over and, and walk this buyer through her design and what, what was going to be there. Well, I didn't know I'd have to do that. And so what happened was <laughs> she says, well, you need to start paying me hourly. Oh. I go, okay, so I'm going to pay you $10,000 oh, and then I need to start paying you hourly now. She goes, yeah, because I'm way past my, my hourly rate here at a fixed fee of $10,000. Because again, I'm a huge believer in fixed fee. You know, when you're, when yeah. you're building out a project, you don't want variable rate because you don't necessarily yeah. know where you're going to end up. Whereas if you have fixed fee, yeah. then you know, okay, it's going to cost me $10,000 for this and you can break it all down and you can have a really good idea of what your bottom yeah. line is going to be. Not um, so the second she said, okay, I want to go into a, you know, you pay me for my time and more of a variable rate pay here on top of the fixed fee we already negotiate. I can tell you at that point, I was like, game over. I'm done. Like, I'm like, no, you know what? I think that we're good. I think we've gotten everything we need and I think I can handle it from here. And at that point, I severed the relationship because I couldn't handle how my relationship was going with the desi designer because it wasn't the person that I wanted to play ball with. It wasn't the person that right. I wanted on my team. And quite honestly, I didn't even feel like she was on my team. I just felt like she was, you know, this designer who thought that I should just do whatever she thinks I should do. And you know what? That's just how it's going to go. And that's my story from hell, I guess, is that, you know, I had <laughs> a designer one. and I, but, it, but I'm glad it happened right away because then I realized what I didn't want. And I think we all are going to make mistakes. We all are going to fall on our face. Uh, we're all going to come across experiences that we're like, gosh, I wish I would have known better. But that's the beauty of building something is that you learn something every single day. And I learned that is not 
the designer I want to work with. Grando, what do you think about that story? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I mean, the key points you pulled out of that right there, you know, it's like, you know, fixed fees are really important when you're working, especially in a newly established relationship with somebody. And the team aspect, nobody wants to play um, or, or work with somebody who doesn't, who isn't going to be part of the team. And I think so those are the two key points I got from your story. And I mean, it was smart for you to sever that relationship as quickly as possible. And, you know, maybe there's a team for that person, but it's not on your team. So, and obviously you've done a lot of business since then, and she's probably missed out by not being a team player, you know, because you probably would have worked better with her and you might've found value in it. You know, somebody might've found value in that. So, right. And you know, and that leads me to my second story. So, I mean, I told you the painful story and now I want to tell you a great story because after that, I was very apprehensive about working with designers. I thought every designer was going to be like that. And I especially yeah. think, and I, I think even to today, uh, and I try not to be biased, but I think that the more you pay for a designer, probably the worse she's going to be like that lady that I had to work with because there has to be ego with the amount of dollars that some of these ladies get paid, men sure. or ladies, but most of the yeah. people that I'm talking to are, are usually women, designers. Yeah. Um, but I'm not trying to be biased. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I know designers that literally are getting paid 20 and $30,000 to design multi-million dollar houses. And it just blows wow. my mind. I'm just like, you know what? I'm not going to say that they don't deserve it because you know what? <laughs> Some of the things that they design are yeah. like, I just look at it and I'm like, that's cool. Those are the pictures that you're looking on Pinterest. And you're looking on house.com and you're like, I want that. I want that. I want that. And the contractor laughs and he goes, you don't even know what that costs, do you? And, and, the, and the homeowner's like, no, but I want it. And he's like, that's probably a $2 million house that you're looking at right there. That kitchen or that sunroom or that great room. And, and you think you're going to get all that for your budget of $50,000. Well, well, can I? No. <laughs> no. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, again, these designers are, are well worth it. And I'm yeah. not taking anything away from them because they deserve it. And they're artists. But it's just, you know what? It's I have that perception in my mind because of that experience. Now, let me go to the, the next story. The next story starts with uh, her name is Jill. And she worked with me in my office as more of an admin assistant around my real estate business. And it came to the point where Jill just came up to me and said, Tim, I really would like to meet with you. And I was like, okay, let's sit down. And so we sat down for a meeting and she just goes, Tim, you know, I've been doing a lot of admin assistant work for real estate agents and I've been doing it for you for what, about a year, a little bit over a year. And she goes, you know, this just doesn't light my fire. I'm just not excited about doing admin real estate stuff. I think I need to do something different. I'm like, Jill, you know what? I'm a huge proponent of, helping people do and follow their passion. And I said, what do you want to do? And this was exactly at the moment. I mean, literally at the moment where I was going from doing these smaller bank owned deals to literally talking about and about to execute on my first infill development project. Um, And she goes, you know what? I would really love to be an interior designer and design houses. I really think that I have an eye for it. Now she goes, I know, I know, I don't have an education. I'm not, I haven't gone to a design school, but she's like, I, you know, I, she had helped and she was helping me on like staging my houses, uh, giving colors examples to our sellers, um, taking the seller's stuff and kind of like 
putting it in different places and making the house look great. So she was already doing some staging stuff for me as an agent on our team, which was a huge value add. But then you're talking about, okay, well, do I ask her to design an $850,000 house, like literally from top to bottom with me? And I looked at her and I said, you want to design houses, huh? And she goes, yeah. I go, well, I got an $850,000 project. That'll be my first project. How about we just do that together? And she looked at me and I'll never forget. And she goes, uh, what? What did you say? I go, yeah, I have an $850,000 project. And I go, I feel the same way. But I go, Jill, I trust yeah. you. Like, I trust you. I know right. you're a team player. I know you have a good heart. I know we work good together. Do you want to give this a shot with me? And, and let's design out this house. This $850,000 house. And she looked at me. She, seriously, it took her a while to be like, okay, what am I getting into? I didn't think he would do this. But he kind of does do this. Okay, fine. I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And I go, okay, what is it going to cost? What, what? How am I going to pay you? Well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know I'm how you're going to pay me. Here. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know how you're going to pay me. And yeah. um, I said, okay, well, what's the most important thing? She goes, well, obviously, you know, we're going to have to figure out this process because she goes, I've never done this. So how about along the way, we just do what's fair. And I'm like, great she go i go you and i have always looked at each other and done what's fair and that's exactly what we did and i basically just said jill let's go through the process and along the way in certain phases of the process tell me what you have into it and what you think is fair and <laughs> i'm going to tell you this jill hasn't been nothing but fair to me for the last 10 years that i've been working with her and she's been nothing but amazing when it comes to a team player uh, and I absolutely love this girl. Um, and you know, so for 10 years, we, she's been the designer for pretty much every one of my infill development projects, all the way from that 850 project to right now, that project that, um, I was talking about the other day in, uh, part two or part one of the designer and, uh, pre-marketing that house over in Edina for 1.4 million. We've, we've done it all, you know, and it's been wow. so awesome. And it, it's been like, when I say team, I, I mean this so truly that she's just like, Hey man, you know, how do we, cause I'm like, cause staging furniture, <laughs> staging furniture with a designer oh. is like the hardest pill to swallow when you're like, okay, how much is it going to cost me a month to have this furniture in? Well, it's going to probably be like 2,500 or 5,000 or in these big houses. I mean, it's like, you know, 5,500 a month. I'm like, Oh my hmm. God, 5,500 yeah. a month. Well, what if I don't sell it for 90 days or 120 days? And Jill was like, you know, Tim, let's work this out. And every single time we've worked it out. And then it even came to the point where she's like, Tim, you know, I don't feel comfortable charging you this much money. Cause I had one that literally stayed on for a year and it Ooh. was like, we were 120 days in and I, I had paid over $15,000 for the furniture to be in the house. And I was oh, just like, Jill, okay. this hurts. Like, what can I, what can we do? And she goes, yeah, I, I don't feel comfortable with this. And she goes, I'm not going to charge you anymore. Wow. I'm like, what? That's cool. She goes, yeah, I'm not going to charge you anymore. I go, mm -hmm. why? She goes, cause like, we'll just, it, it'll just work out, Tim. It always does. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Jesus. oh my gosh, you guys. Like if that didn't sum up a team player to me, like if that yeah. didn't sum up someone that you want to have on your team, I'm like, I don't know what will or what does. And that's what created loyalty with me and her for 10 years is just situations like that where it's like 
you take care of me and I take care of you and it's a win-win. And so, you know what? She would probably even tell you, like, could she have more education? Could she push even further and become a more advanced designer in whatever way people judge designers? Sure, maybe. But I wouldn't want anybody else on my team. And that's why I've been so loyal for so long is that, you know what? That's the kind of designer I want to find. And what she brings as far as team effort and then also as far as return on time and going the extra mile is absolutely phenomenal. So if I haven't told, if I haven't given you a good like parameter to find someone that you want as your team player, maybe there's a couple points there that you'll get out of that story that, hmm, maybe that's the person that I'm looking for. Grand, I don't know. Give us a little summary. What do you think people should get out of that lesson there? Or yeah, that story? out of that. I mean, again, I mean, that's just like the, the sign of a, somebody who's willing to learn, you know, somebody who's who's took the initiative, had the courage to tell you they weren't happy in the job they're currently doing. And this is what they'd like to do. And and a lot of people don't take that jump. Right. Or, or have the courage to do that. And I would encourage every single person to do that. You know, and it goes back to like one one of the guys that wanted to work with us in building. He came over to our house and was like, hey, I really think you guys are awesome. I want to work with you. I was like, well, let's just continue the relationship. He had the courage. Now he's one of our main people that we're using all the time, you know? And so same thing with her. That's a relationship that was built because of trust, you know, and, and that person did that and she took that courage to do it. So it's like, and then you knew she was going to be a good team player. And then look what she did, you know, when you were going to be tied on a house and sat there for a year. I mean, I can't even imagine the holding costs on a house like that. And then she, what'd she do? She comes and she steps up again to prove that she's a team player. And you're never going to sever that relationship. You know, that's going to be a lifelong relationship. It's going to be a lifelong business relationship. And she's going to get a 10 X return on that over the next 20 years. You know, exactly. Cool. And so, you know, granted yeah. you and I talk about it all the time. Like, okay, yeah. are you going to think about short term money or are you going to think about the strength of a long term relationship and what the ROI is on that? And yeah. I think so many people make decisions and especially when they're in survival phase, that they're trying to grasp yeah. for that short-term money and they don't mm -hmm. see what they're really truly missing with the long-term relationship. And that's something you always got to pay attention to. Grand said it in multiple episodes. He goes, I'm always testing people. Everything's yeah. a test. And, yes. and, and I remember that story with, uh, what was it, that contractor? And you're just, and the guy's like, well, I didn't know you were testing me. And Grand goes, I'm always testing yeah. you. <laughs> yeah it's like yeah i want to make sure you're not i'm not being taken advantage of it's like you're watching you're like uh, the whole time you know and it, you lax it over time right once that relationship's built you know but you're still checking in making sure you don't get cost creep you know <laughs> something like that so but yeah i don't know i mean it's it's always a test <laughs> so let's go into okay i want to summarize now i think those yeah. stories really summarize the you know I, I was telling grando not everything's roses you got to throw in some thorns and i think i gave yeah. you a little bit of the thorn and i and i threw out a a really fantastic rose there but now i want to talk about you know how your team will maximize your rot okay now yeah. your team really consists of i think three major players the agent, which for Grand and I, because we're such big believers in being the licensed real estate agent and having that market knowledge and having all the skills, I would say yeah. that I fit as I'm the agent, the one with the market knowledge. And I think Grand is, is very much the same. And, and Grand is the CEO of his business, and so am I. And I feel like the agent 
is one of the top positions in a team for anyone that's uh, redeveloping, infill development, flipping houses, whatever you might be doing. And what is the goal of the agent? The goal of the agent is to focus on the target market. You always have to be paying attention to who is the consumer or the avatar that we're selling this to and is the product that we're putting together going to be saleable at the price that we think because we think that our avatar or our target market will pay it. So the agent is a key part on your team. And I'm still, I consider myself still the agent on my team because I think that position is one of the most important. And it's also one of the positions that delivers the largest return on time. Okay, now what is the next position I think is as uh, next important is the builder. And again, I don't know if there's really a hierarchy to to like the, these, you know, agent, builder, and then the designer. I don't know if there's a hierarchy. I don't want to do that. Um, but I, def- I definitely think that you have to look at return on time for each project and assess it. Uh, but the builder, what is the builder's main goal? The main goal of the builder is to manage cost. He's always paying attention to costs. Now, between the builder and then the designer, so number three is the designer. Her main goal is design trend. Like when somebody walks through that house, if the designer's really good at their job, that person, that wife will come to tears. Kind of like on the DIY show when they do the reveal and they're they're just like, oh my God, this is is mine, this is mine. Like if your designer is amazing, then that's what they will do. And and you're just like, oh my gosh, I just paid 10,000 for that designer. She was worth every penny because look at that emotional reaction. That is what a designer's after every single time. So again, who are your three key players? The agent who is focused on the target market and the avatar that you're selling to. The builder is focused on cost and the designer is focused on design trend that will match with the avatar that the agent has said we're going after. So those are your three key players. And those are the three key players. If you are going to just go to straight CEO and you're going to hire an agent, you're going to hire a builder and you're going to hire a designer and you're going to have all three positions filled, then you have to understand like, what is your return on time for each position? And today we're going to talk about the designer. Now you got to think about your time that's invested in each individual project as a designer. If you were to be that guy that I told you about at the very beginning or like grand was at the very beginning where, and me at the very beginning when we were doing $250,000, yeah. $300,000 rehab projects and you're like, well, I'm going to be the designer because I'm not going to pay somebody $10,000. Then you have yeah. to understand what am I doing? Like what are all the little nuances of being the person who's designing the product? And if you decide to take on that responsibility yourself, trust me, I know one of you out there has done this. Again, we have done it. I have done it. In the beginning, when you first started at the three hundred to four hundred thousand dollar level, you know what was everything that you did, and that's what I want to talk about here. Um, but first off, I want Grand before we go into these bullet points on how a designer will maximize our time and what exactly they do, because I don't think unless you're Bob or I who've actually taken on that role of being the designer and all the intricacies yeah. of it, I don't think you're really going to know all the responsibilities that a designer has. But I want Grand to start off by talking about his wife, because in, on Grant's team, it's his wife, Shelly, and him. I mean, these two are like the DIY's power couple, okay? And so <laughs> I, want you guys, I want you to tell us a little bit, Grant, about, you know, 
number one, the relationship with Shelly, yeah. obviously your wife, but also your business partner or your designer. How does that go? And then just also, you know, give us a little bit more insight about what are her responsibilities and your responsibilities and how do you define those? Because again, you're the agent and she's the designer. You're two key players yeah. on your team, but you're also married. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, huh? You know, it didn't start out that way. <laughs> we weren't married <laughs> before. <laughs> it was just became such a good relationship. You know? <laughs> no, I had, to, I had to, I had to bond it. No, I actually, it was funny. Like we were dating at the time, um, taking it way back to when I wasn't even doing projects really. I was just focusing on real estate. And, uh, and this could be a long story, so I'll make it short, but, um, we were, I was at a house, I was like, and I had a stager stage it and it was hard to find staging in our area. That was like, good. And I went to California for like a conference and I saw these guys as homes and I was like, he goes, Oh, we always do staging this and that. And like, and so I started really piecing together the right listing, you know, the right way to do a listing, especially with a vacant home. And so I used a stager and I was not super happy with it. It looked like, you know, the 1990s staging and so then I was kind of telling her and we were just dating and I knew she was like rehabbing her own houses and stuff and they, everything looked beautiful. That's why I love going over to her house when we were dating. It's that just a beautiful house. And I was like, man, this is awesome. You so, got you to be emotional. <laughs> yeah, it, it pulled at my heartstrings. Um, but yeah, so then she's like, well, I, I could do your home staging for you, you know, and get your house so it looks like this. I'm like, oh, you could do that. She's like, oh yeah, I could do that. And I was like, okay, same thing. Well, how much, you know, like, let's figure this out. And it was like, well, we'll just figure it out, you know, as we kind of go and and that kind of blossomed her home staging kind of and design business, you know, kind of going, taking it from her, just flipping her own houses to kind of morphing it into that world. And ever since then, we've just always kind of used her, you know, for that whole process. But then, you know, it got to the point, you know, my, my brother and I kind of were taking our business, you know, that direction and getting really into the, the, the development and rehabs and all that whole process. And, you know, of course, we're using her for the staging on all those. But then also, again, it came down to that, how much time do we have in the day? And, and, and we we're always having the conversation, you know, about the houses and what the materials should be and, and everything. And, and we'd argue back and forth. And then finally, I was like, you know, we just need to have you working with us all the time to do this. And so that's where, you know, she came in, became the head of design for us. And, and so we employ her now and she works for us full time. So design and project management to, to kind of sum it up she goes through she figures out the project and then she's helping you know the site contractors make sure everything's there materials are dialed everything and then she's also the one that will be um, cutting the checks at the end of you know every friday whenever we have to make payouts to people and stuff like that so she takes on a lot of roles just because i don't have time to do it you know like and i and it's gotten to the point for me you know because i do work another job where i can't be that lead agent all the time so my brother's kind of that lead agent and so i'm just back making sure everybody has you know what they need but you know it's with with her she's just so amazing it's like a designer has like such a unique perspective and they see things so much differently you know like she says her superpower is being able to see through walls i 100 percent agree but she's not chopping through the walls. That's somebody like me and the contractors, right? So, but she knows what she wants and she knows the look that we're always going for and is keeping up with those design trends. And it's just in such an interesting perspective. Like we're take you and I hours of research to figure that out. They just kind of know it, you know? And so when you recognize that person, it's, it's important. But for us, like, you know, the relationship um, is great, but it's a work you know, work partnership relationship. Well, we how have. long though, how long, and, like from when you first gave her that first shot on a property to, yeah. you know, now where she's at, I mean, how, how long? Cause this, again, we yeah, want to give people perspective. Years. This, yeah, so, this doesn't happen overnight. Four, four to five years, I think. Yeah. So, 
that first one, I mean, we were dating, um, and then, you know, kind of that kind of morphed and just kept going. So, yeah. And then I was, you know, it's like just been an amazing thing, you know, a growth that just keeps going, but you know, there's, it doesn't come without complications, right? You know, it's like, um, there's, I feel like a lot of our life is just talking about real estate and projects and uh, it's cool. We love it, you know, but there's times where you got to shut it down and, and focus on other things. But, um, you know, there's also times where I'll be sitting there just like her talking earlier, 7am and she's got a lot of project stuff in her head that she's got to kind of just start bouncing it off, you know, cause I, I make the huge decisions if, especially if it costs money. And so it's like 7am I'll be sitting there drinking my coffee and be like, uh, here we go. <laughs> you know, and I'm just trying to just have my me time, <laughs> you know, but, but you know, it, it, for the most part, it's, it's always, it's, how do you it's create great, boundaries but, though, Grando? Like, do you have certain times yeah. of the day where you're like, Hey dude, let's not talk about this. Like maybe at dinner or maybe, you know, yeah. if you're in Hawaii sitting on the beach, I mean, where do you, how do you draw boundaries? I think that's right. the biggest thing. Yeah, you know, and I think it's just if you want to talk about it or if you want to have the conversation outside of work. That's kind of how we leave it. You know, if, if, if I just and she, too, um, I think we both just have to say, hey, you know, today I'm just I don't want to focus on that. You know, if we're during the work hours, the, the nine to five, it's it's always game on, you know. But when we're on vacation, stuff like that, it's let's talk about it. But if one of us isn't feeling like talking about it, we just we shut it down and table it for another time um, because it can be a work, 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 work type thing if you let it be. And so you got to, you got to balance it, you know, and the same thing, you know, if you were working with your own designer, if she's calling you at 10 or 11 o'clock at night, you'd be setting boundaries pretty quick, you know, like, Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, my wife doesn't like uh, somebody calling me at 10 o'clock at night, you know? So that's just kind of that work-life balance, I think, you know, yeah, that's cool. And, that and everybody has it. So yeah, I really respect that because, you know, it takes a lot of discipline to want to talk yeah. about something and then the other person says hey i'm just not ready for it and you're just like you know what okay i respect that yeah you know because yeah. when i'm jazzed about something yeah. i mean you guys can feel the energy i'm like i'm ready i'm yeah. about ready to run through the wall like how are you going to stop me you know <laughs> yeah. and yeah, and yeah, i'm ready yeah, to yeah. talk i'm ready to do it and yeah. to be able to say okay pull up wait okay i'm gonna respect that bob no problem right. but we'll talk about it later uh, that, True. that says a lot. That's a lot of respect. So that's cool. Thanks for sharing that with us. Um, let's go into though the one, two, three, four, five, six bullet points that I want to hit on about how a designer maximizes mm. ROT. Now you guys, this again, we could talk about this for a long time. I think the story yeah. really sums up what we're trying to do and it's all about relationships. But the first thing that our designer really spends time doing that you have to ask yourself, is this what I want to do is spending time, money, and energy researching current and future design trends. Now, everybody might think, yeah. you know, even Bob just said it like, yeah. oh yeah, you know, they just have a vision. They can see through walls. They don't, they, you know, it just comes to them. And I would tell you that I don't think Shelly would necessarily say that. I think that <laughs> Shelly is probably scrolling on Pinterest. She's probably on some favorite website. She probably gets a magazine every once in a while. And who knows what else she does to get these ideas because there's no way that you can stay on trend if you are not doing and spending your time and some money and a bunch mm -hmm. of energy uh, researching design trends. So I will tell you this, if you think it's as simple as it's just a vision and it all comes to your head, you know, <laughs> I think you need to really look and observe and watch what some of these really good designers do because they spend a lot of time and energy 
trying to stay on trend on point. And you know, if they're really like at the $1.4 million range, I'm going to hire a designer and I expect that designer to help me create a one of a kind product. And in that one of a kind product, they better have their own ideas. They better not just have the ideas of Pinterest because of the Pinterest right. house. They have to come up with their own ideas and they have to love them and, and, and believe in them and stand behind them so much that they sell it to me. And when they sell it to me, then I have to take the risk because that's the big thing is that the designer is right. going to sell you something, but who's taking the risk? Because like Grant said, when it comes to money, it's me. It all falls on yeah. my shoulders. And so right. that's one of the main things. I mean, Grant, what do you have to say about, about obviously researching design trends? Do you feel like yeah. for, for you that that would be a good use of your time? No, I hate it. <laughs> it's like, I, I like the look. I don't right. know how it gets there. You know, like, like the example, like, she bought a blue couch and I'm like, Oh my God, like a, that's a crushed blue velvet couch. <laughs> like, like what, what are we doing here? You know, like, but that's a, a cool thing. Then, then yesterday or when we were, I looked at your website, I saw in that rendering, those blue couches. I was like, Oh, Shelly was on point with that Yep, yep. <laughs> ahead of the time. <laughs> but, and she also used to play this app with designing app all the time where she's putting these little things together and they're rating all these designing people are rating each other and stuff. And you're just like, yeah, it is. You're, you're, so you're 100 percent right. It's 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 almost bad for me to say like they just understand it and know it, you know, because there's hours that is spent on researching that. Or when she walks into Pottery Barn and lady knows her by first name. So yeah, so. yeah. So the next one I want to talk about is spending time creating a vision for your project. So one yeah, of my I when this. I hire a designer, um, and this is part of a process that I put together, and it's it's kind of like. You know, Bob, that that property when I showed you the other day, that that vision, which is uh, 5832kellogab.com. If you go there, that's kind of the vision that we try that's to cool. create. Well, so these designers have to go out and they have to meet with all the vendors and they have to have uh, they have to do their homework and they have to come up with inspirational pictures for themselves. And then they have to go and they have to go meet with the vendors and then come up with the actual selections that meet their their vision and their inspirational pictures. And then they have to do all these other things and put these designer, we call them vision boards together so that I can have the agent, the marketing material that I want and I need to go out and sell it to the market. Let me tell you, Bob, how many hours do you think they put into that? Oh my God, dude, I didn't <laughs> even know, but yeah. Yeah, hours and hours. <laughs> hours I mean, just think about hours. going to the vendors and making, going and staring at tile and saying, okay, here's my vision board. I got to find that right piece of tile. Like just that alone could be a couple hours. So the yeah. amount of hours that they spend on creating these visions for you so especially you can pre-market it like i'm i like to do is hours and hours do i want to spend my time doing that do i think that that's the best use no. of time grando do you want to do it no i, I like to do ten thousand dollar per hour work which is find the next project you know that to me is that is that and so you know that that works important but it's not getting us the next project which gets that designer moving to the next project too you know so that's that's the important thing. So your time is the most valuable asset you have. You're not getting any more of it. Exactly. Now that leads me to bullet point number three, which is dealing with the vendors. Okay. And I'm talking the tile shop, the flooring vendor, mm. the, uh, the cabinet guy, the siding vendors, the lighting vendors, the yeah. plumbing vendors, the electrical electricians because the electricians always screw up how they will hang the light and so they always have to babysit them the yeah. the tile guy 
like my actual subcontractor who's laying the tile and exactly how they want to lay the tile. If they don't lay it in a herringbone and they lay it in a block and the client doesn't like it, well, we have to rip it off and we have to redo it. Whose job is that? It's the designer's job to make sure that everybody on the team knows exactly yeah. what they need to do. So they're talking to vendors, they're dealing with subs. How much time do you think that takes, Bob? A lot. I mean, they essentially are a project manager and, and that's kind of what we kind of say, you know, Shelly, she's head of design, head of project management. And because that's not a contractor, contractors are not good project envisionists. They're not good project managers. They are with the people, but the designer is the one that really pushes that and is working hand in hand, you know, with them. So hundred yeah. percent. And, and I think you nailed that because my designers, just like your wife, Shelly, uh, they are responsible and for holding the hand of the client. And, mm -hmm. and if we have a client like a pre-sale and we're building a house for someone, they have to hold the client through the process of design, but they also have to hold the client through the process of actual construction and making sure that the client's happy with their design and that the design gets executed with the subs properly yeah. up to the standard that the designer uh, gave the client because the client is trusting the designer in delivering them the vision that they've painted for them before the house is even built. And so again, that's a huge responsibility uh, as a project manager slash designer. It's a huge responsibility because there's so much time and energy and, and attention to detail. Uh, and that's a huge return on your time. If you have somebody that's willing and able to manage oh, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's go to the next one putting together your spec sheet. So I literally just did this today because uh, I have someone that's interested and we, we were gonna pre-sell this house at 1.4 million. So I had to put together a spec sheet. Now, if you haven't put together a spec sheet, I'm telling you there's a million things on this thing. It just, it's like it never ends. And um, each one of those specs though, when it pertains to the designer, like, okay, what plumbing fixture did you pick for the powder bath? Okay, what tub exactly did you pick for the master? Okay, what, what fixtures did you pick for the master shower? Okay, what closet uh, design did you go with? Okay, what tile did you go with? And what, what, uh, how is that tile going to be laid? Okay, I mean, that's like five. Yeah. I could seriously, this could be a 40-minute podcast if I just go over all the different things that I need on a spec sheet from my designer. So they have to put that together for us. How long do you think that's going to take, Bob? Uh Bob doesn't have answers. See, I got him speechless. That's the whole goal today. Probably should have Shelly on this podcast today telling you how long it takes to do all that stuff. Hours, you know, it's like, and I don't have the detail, you know, that detail. I don't like that type of work. Like I like putting together like the vision board, the spec sheet and all that stuff. I mean, and the time it takes, I mean, it's just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, like and, it, and you're right. And and it is it honestly, it does make me speechless as well. I, I hate it. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. like that detailed work because I know that that's quote unquote busy work if I'm trying to be the entrepreneur, the CEO. Yeah. The CEO is not what that's where I want to be. That's where I should be spending my time and not trying to figure out this stuff. Now, um, is it important? It's super important. It's so important. Um, right. But it also is a question of return on time. Like, if you're trying to run a business, is that your best use of time? So let's go on to the next one. Spending time working with your contractor to make sure their design comes to life. Now, again, that's part of being the project manager. I kind of touched on that, but it is literally, and I tell this to any designer I work with, and, I, and I've told this to Jill a million times. I go, Jill, 
Your design is why we need you, is why we hired you, is why we love you. I need you to bring this design, though, to life. You can't, it's not just good enough for you to say, okay, here it is. Good luck. Because the first thing that's going to happen is the subcontractor or even the general contractor is going to screw it up. Because there's too many moving pieces and they don't even understand the painting that you're trying to paint. You know, you're the artist. Like, how do you explain to me who doesn't even know how to use a paintbrush, hey, this is the painting I want. Now, here, here's a picture. Go paint it. What? Yeah. Ain't happening. <laughs> yeah. I agree, man. Like, I think that they, uh, you know, uh, if you leave it to the contractor to come up with their own idea and you don't paint that picture and you don't have somebody guiding them through that process, that right down to the tile guy, how is he going to lay it the way he likes to lay it? Which might not be the current trend in how tiles lay. You know, it's like, so it's just kind of like when you think about it like that, it's like, those are the tweaks that kind of separate, you know, um, the good homes from the bad homes, you know, or the dated homes from the updated homes. And, and, and you could be, you could screw it up and you're going to go backwards and maybe you don't get the highest price because of it. So. Well, and Grant, we'll go back to your house that, um, the house that you remodeled, that was your home, yeah. but then you put it on the market. I mean, it comes back to the simplest of things. And I, I can see your house in my eyes. And when yeah. I saw these two items, those two chairs on the porch, I said, only Shelly would care that there's those two chairs swinging on the porch, <laughs> you know? And yeah. I'm like, but but when somebody drives by that house and sees that beautiful garage door with those two cool chairs on the porch, I go, they will say, where else have I seen that before? I've never seen that <laughs> yeah. before. And that yeah. is that is bringing your vision to life, man. Yeah, that's so true. The only downside to that when you're living with a designer is things cost a lot, you know, because like, they want <laughs> nice stuff. <laughs> you know, they, they like nice stuff. So I would say there's the there's the other thorn, Tim. <laughs> so, yeah, but it is a huge. But you're right. It's that picture being painted and, and people coming through. Like when, when we'd be sitting out there, people walking through our neighborhood, we'd be like, oh, my God, those chairs are so nice. And, oh, your front of your house looks so beautiful. And I'm just like, it's her vision, you know, her doing <laughs> So the final point that I want to make is really, and this isn't going to be in every project, and Bob, I don't know if you run across it, and again, I think it's a little bit because of my strategy and how I like to pre-market things and how I like to leverage the product a little bit more, but spending time with potential buyers, maybe not a buyer that you have on contract, but potential buyers, Mm -hmm. because again, when when you're an artist and you're painting a picture, how can you ask someone else to explain the picture that doesn't even know how to paint one? And so right. I'm the artist or I'm the guy, the agent, but I'm the guy that doesn't even know how to paint a picture. Now, I yeah. don't get me wrong. I mean, I have I have a ability to, to have a vision. I have ability right. to see what the market wants. I'm not a complete layman, but yeah. I'm also not Picasso. You know, I'm not the one that can right. go out and paint a painting. So when I bring a client through a house that's framed, for example, and it's just wood and they look around most people they can't see anything all they see is like actually their brain is like going on overload because they're confused because they're trying to look into a three-dimensional thing but it actually looks like it's like five-dimensional because you're looking through woods you can't wear woods walls framed walls yeah. you can't see they're not defined and it just looks like i look at people and i'm like yeah you're not really seeing it and they're like no do you have a blueprint and though i lay the blueprint down and then they're looking around like with the blueprint going 
well, where's, what is that again? I'm like, well, that's where the toilet goes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and where's the bathroom? I go, well, next to the toilet. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I'm like, at that exact moment, I'm like, mm -hmm. I go, it's hard to visualize it, isn't it? Yeah. And they're like, yeah. And, I, and that's the whole point is that why do I bring the designer in? Because the designer can now walk this potential client through her vision and hopefully sell the vision. Because if you can sell the vision, I can pre-sell the house. And like our conversation in the last episodes, if I can sell a house before I ever have to put it on the market, just the staging cost alone is worth all of that. Oh my God. Yeah. I was just thinking that's probably a 5G saving even on a small house, you know, when you, by the time you have it from the start to finish right there. So yeah, that's, and that, that is, you know, I haven't actually really had to, you know, had the opportunity to, um, pre-sell like you're doing, um, mainly because of that fear of not being able to relay what, what, what it is, what the projects. So we don't even list the project until the actual product's done, you know, and because people can't see, you know, and so they don't, quite understand that. And so I actually was just, you know, kind of mentioned earlier, I kind of learned like a lot, you know, just from our conversations about this whole topic, um, being able to go back through and think like, how can I implement that even on our small houses to potentially have the chance of pre-selling them, you know, and they're entry level, so they sell fast, but why not save more money, you know, thinking about it in the end, like then I don't, maybe I potentially don't have to pay, you know, a buyer's agent fee if they just come in the door. Right. Cause we, we pre-marketed it. And done all there you that go, buddy. Right away. So it's just like, that saves it save on the staging, right? So we don't have to do that. Well, and then also, think, you know, so. Grando, we are such a big believer in, you know, you should have your real estate license and yeah. you know, we're a big believer in being the agent uh, as part of the um, whole process here. Yeah. But you have a team like, and there's nothing wrong. Right. I have a team. And so why right. can't I use that asset and say, Hey, here's a product. It's going to attract a buyer and go to my team member. Who's a, my buyer's agent and say, Hey, buyer's agent. Yeah. You should go talk to this person about this. House and this see. Thing. Yeah. And if, it, and if this yeah. isn't the right house, then maybe you can help them find the right house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it attracts business. That's a great, and it's so far ahead of the game. That's what I love about it. It's like, and it, it, so you're right. It's helping out all the team members the whole time by being able to do that and bring in that level of business. Super cool. Yeah. You know, I think the thing to go back to with the return on time, just to sum it up, you know, time is your most important asset. Um, you're not getting any more of it. But when you're starting out, maybe you have more time than money, right? With your first project. And so you have to take those baby steps and just just what you've done where you've created that 10-year vision of where you want to be. Um, and then walking yourself backwards and saying, you're going to have to, you know, maybe you have to potentially be the agent, a little bit of the builder. Maybe, you know, you also have to be the designer. So you have to have some of those skills. But you know, eventually you're going to get too busy if you're growing a business and you can't do it all, you know? And so I think that's probably the key thing, you know, just taking it because we went to the high end, you know, that having all these major players right back to the person. Got to have some agent skills, got to have some builder skills, got to have some design skills because that's what you're going to be able to recognize when you're finding that person down the road. Yeah. Grando, you yeah, summed it up. Good. I couldn't have done it better myself. And and the yeah. point of talking about this is we're in the survival phase. So let's let's think yeah. about this. We're still in the survival phase. Do, do Bob yeah. or I expect you to have these resources? No, no, but we no. want to give you a bigger vision of where you can go because at the beginning, yeah. just like Bob and I, I was doing all of these jobs, you know, yeah. I did every single one of them. And then I realized, man, return on time, Tim, return on time. How can you yeah. fill that position? And I 
gradually went out and found somebody and I gradually did it. And like I said, Jill and I, this was 10 years. It took me 10 years to get to where I am. So it took Bob five years to get where he is with Shelly. Like we're not asking anybody here to not try to do this themselves and to not take on uh, a lot of what needs to be done in any project. And again, back to the very beginning of this podcast, when I told you about the guy that I talked to who literally took on every single aspect of the build, he, he, he told me, he goes, Tim, am I crazy? And I said, you're crazy, but let me tell you, you will know more than anybody as you build out your business. So this could kill yeah. you, but if it doesn't kill you, you'll be stronger. <laughs> and you know what? Yeah. You'll know a hell of a lot more about how to succeed on your next flips and your 20th mm-hmm. flip and your 50th flip and whatever you keep doing because you literally t- felt the pain of every single decision, of every single action that needed to be taken to to fulfill this house. So yeah. you know what? I have nothing but respect for that person. I have 110% respect for that person. I'm not sitting here saying that you shouldn't try to do it, but just know yeah. what you're actually trying to do, right? <laughs> I get excited for somebody choosing the path of pain. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of growth along it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Cool, oh, Grando. Man. Do you have yeah. any? I think right. you summed it up. I think you summed no, up this podcast good. really well. So again, yeah. guys, you know what? We're just trying to bring the value well, uh, if yep. you guys want to know more about what we're doing here at uh, Value Driven Investor, just go to valuedriveninvestor.com. Through that website, you can join our private Facebook group where we're going to have a ton of value add content. We're going to have resources and we, we want to load that thing up with as much information as we can because, yeah. you know, one of the best things that happened to me uh, was yesterday. And this is like so cool. Like it's so cool. And uh, he's going to be on the podcast. Uh, his name's Ryan. Uh, he called me yesterday and he goes, Tim, Tim, I did it. I'm like, what? I just did that flip. You wholesaled me. Remember you wholesaled me that? I'm like, well, yeah, I remember it. And so, well, yeah, I just flipped it. And you know what? I made 10,000 more than I thought I would because the market's so good. And so I, I, I looked at him and some people might say, well, so Tim, how much did you lose out on that deal? Because you wholesaled it and you didn't have to, you could have kept it. And I say, yeah, but who did I help get started so that they can have life on their terms? And so that that message from my buddy Ryan, who I will have on this podcast to talk about how I was able to help him, um, it meant everything. And that's exactly why Bob and I sit here and talk about Value Driven Investor because money's great, but doing this podcast and giving back what we've gotten and from life and just from our adventure, uh, is what value driven investors all about. Don't you agree, Grando? 100% man, 100% agree with that. Giving back is the ticket. Your legacy is, you know, being able to help other people and build relationships. That's how you'll be remembered. So. That's awesome. Grando, thanks right. again, buddy. And uh, we're out. Thanks for listening to the Value Driven Investor Podcast, where we lead by giving. For more information about our community and what's new, visit valuedriveninvestor.com. The Value Driven Investor Podcast was produced by Digital Legend Media in Minneapolis. Build your legend, digitallegendmedia.com.